1: Here's your host, the one and only Dan Bach. Hey everyone, welcome. Another edition here of the Roto-Grinders Daily Fantasy Fix. I, of course, am Dan Bach. And today, uh, I thought I'd bring back some friends uh, who I had back on the show right around March Madness. And I can honestly say, maybe for the first time in... uh, I don't know, maybe ever, I actually won a March Madness NCAA pool, and I did it with the help of my friends over at Team Ranking. So, uh, as we've seen this year in Daily Fantasy, you've got Survivor contests over on FanDuel, you got Pick'em contests on FanDuel and DraftKings, so there's this whole gambling element that is seeping into our world and obviously becoming a more regulated market. So, they helped me out in March Madness, I'm going to see if they can do the same again this football season. So joining us from TeamRankings.com, we got uh, Tom Federico and David Hess. Fellas, uh, first, thanks. Uh, Thanks for the coin that you helped me win in in March Madness. (laughs) Much appreciated.
2: Now I've, that's uh, it's great. I'm glad you got to use the site, and uh, you know it was a good year for us. Obviously, with these pools, right? It's uh, um, you know even with an amazing edge, you're still only going to win them once in a while. The long term returns are 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 great if you have an edge, but you know you got to put in the time to uh, to stick by it. So any any win needs to be celebrated, right? It's going to pay for years and years of entry fees in the future for you, hopefully. Uh,
1: Yes, absolutely, that's the plan, and uh, and I'm excited to see what you guys got going this year too, because uh, obviously I talked about a lot of those free games we've got in DFS, but uh, one thing I am doing this year is me and my buddy uh, Chris Prince, the Beer Makers fan, uh, we're going to enter the, the Super Contest this year. He's heading to Vegas, uh, literally right now, going to pay up our entry, and we're going to take a shot in uh, one of the biggest contests, uh, gambling contests there is in the U.S. So uh, I'm going to lean heavily a little bit on you guys for that as well. So hopefully uh, I can thank you for like a I don't know seven figure win. That that's what I'm hoping <laughs> yeah. for.
2: No, it's been amazing watching that watching that thing grow over time. You know, I, I go out and kind of make the rounds with the sports book directors in Vegas once in a while, and I've talked to Jay um, over at the Westgate several times. And um, you know, we entered it back. We did it once just for kicks back in David. You remember? It was probably 2013. Yeah. 12, yeah somewhere 12, right around there um, and we didn't win we didn't win unfortunately but obviously yeah, uh, that would have been a, a great marketing coup for team rankings but um, just watching how that thing's grown I think it's been interesting to it's interesting to think about the implications that it has on strategy for that pool right so yeah. um, you know the, the interest the, the one thing right off the bat that everybody thinks about it is it's it's an against the spread. Pick 'em pool, right? And you get in your choice of games to pick each week, and uh, but the spreads are fixed, right? And yep. so in real life, you know the spreads are moving, and um, kind of back in the day, uh, you know the early days of the Super Contest, it was it was kind of an easy edge just to look for all the stale lines, effectively, you know, when the when the lines came out for the contest, you know, certain team was. Minus five. And then by the time you have to submit your picks, they're minus seven. Well, that's that's two points of value right there. Um, and it seemed like a lot of players didn't quite understand how much of an edge that would confer to you. Um, but now I think, you know, in general Different story. People- yeah, people have gotten smarter about you know line movement and and line value in general, and uh, and it's almost you start to wonder now you know where is there a value in reverse psychology, right? Is kind of that the fact that everyone's now going to focus in on the the line value that you could get with these with these stale lines in the super contest? Is that gonna pump up the pick popularity of the of the games with stale lines to the point where the edge of maybe going the other way or avoiding that game entirely um, is actually higher than the edge that you would get from chasing the stale line. Does that make sense?
1: It makes all – it's game theory. We, we deal with it in daily fantasy all the time, and yes – blah 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 is now the starter was the backup but he's going to be 50% owned in tournaments am I better off just fading it and hoping that I get a 50% jump on the field if he doesn't do well and uh, we use it every single slate in Daily Fantasy, and that's, that's one of the things that I'm hoping I can uh, you know, leverage to my advantage with all these uh, these sharp gamblers. We'll see. We'll see. But let's get into what you guys got going here at Team Rankings for this football season. And uh, I want to kind of start out a little bit with uh, survivor pools. What exactly do you guys do in terms of survivor pools, in terms of content, and, and helping users you know, try to go... The distance, to say the very least.
2: Yeah, so in mean, in short, we, we've built products around football pools, right? So it's it's the analog of uh, you know a, a lineup optimizer for DFS, if you will. Um, you know, you you used our product, Dan, for March Madness. Um, we have two more products for uh, for football pools, one specifically for survivor pools, and one for pick'em contests and and confidence pools, um, and so similar to what we do for March Madness, right? We we've we've built technology and algorithms that um, that customize picks for each individual pool that you're in. Based on the strategy factors that that matter the most, right? So the size of your pool, how many people you're competing against, and um, you know, especially its rules and scoring system and all that. You know, just like season long or DFS. I mean, you have to understand how to um, optimize picks to to take the greatest advantage of of those of your scoring system and other factors. And so, um, you know, we built these products to effectively do all that uh, analytical heavy lifting for you. And I think with, with pools, as compared to fantasy um just as an example um there are there are some differences and that fantasy tends to be all about matchups right and figuring out hey um you know who's I've got these two players. Uh, let's take season long. I've got to choose one to start, one to sit. Who's the better decision? And it's looking at you know I think a lot of qualitative judgment calls are made on this guy's going up against a good defense. This guy's going up against a terrible secondary, and and sort of I'm getting that's getting me seventy five or eighty five percent to the uh, to my answer on kind of what my decision should be. Uh, with pools, it's very much just just all math, right? You can get if you have a a little bit of a better sense of um you know the odds the saints have to beat the bucks in week 1 then then your next opponent that'll give you some edge, but if you can better quantify the expected value of avoiding the saints and picking someone else or in a survivor pool, if you're much more precise at being able to quantify the future value, the opportunity cost of, of, um, of burning the saints now versus saving them for later. And you can do those things at a much higher level than your opponents. um, You know, that's going to generate the lion's share of edge. And I I get the sense that a lot of people just don't, um, they either don't, understand some of these concepts for pools or they you know they just don't have the analytical skills to actually um, to execute them and that's what that's what we're here to help with and that's uh, you know we were kind of doing these things on our own for pools we essentially productized what was what was in our heads.
1: Uh, David I want to ask you about you know uh, and we kind of alluded to it a little bit in that super contest discussion um, but it, it applies absolutely to survivors too is that you know, there's something to be said with looking at pick popularity because ultimately, yes, you've got to win your pick, but you also have to beat others who are competing against you. How do you guys weigh those two things in the survivor pool to decide whether or not, hey, you know, we know this is going to be the chalkiest pick, but you know what, it it doesn't really make sense. It's not worth being the chalkiest pick. How do you guys figure that out? Is it straight math algorithm that determines that
3: yeah that part right there if you just ignore future value for a minute and assume that the teams have you know they're roughly equal and saving one or the other doesn't matter just considering win percentage and and pick percentage yeah it's it's pretty much just straight math um i mean uh, taking two teams as an example if there are only two two on the schedule um you know if, if If one team was picked by fifty percent or seventy percent of the pool, and the other by thirty percent, and they have the same win odds, you're going to want to pick the the one that's less popular, so that if you win, you're only alive with uh, a smaller fraction of the pool, hopefully. Um, And I think you understand that that concept. But but when you extend the the math out to a sixteen game slate, you essentially have to uh, you have to calculate the odds of every combo of 16 game results happening <laughs> and what percentage of the pool is going to be alive in each of those combos and you know that's something like uh, I don't know 32,000 uh, possibilities or, or whatever I mean it's it's not difficult for a computer but it's difficult for a human to do so it's really just straight math it's it's doing the expected value calculation for uh, every single option and and then ranking them and that's That's basically the first step before you then start to consider the future value.
1: Now, you know, on FanDuel's version of Survivor, you only get one entry on these. But, you know, there's a lot of different Survivor pools out there where you can multi-enter. You can have a a number of entries. And do you guys um, have – is there like a philosophy in terms of how to manage your quote-unquote, you know, Survivor portfolio in those situations?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a a big kind of differentiating feature of our product is that, uh, you know, it's really the only product out there um, that adds the second layer of optimization, which is saying not only optimizing, you know, if you're playing one entry in in one pool, but if you've got actually a uh, a portfolio of five or 10 or 20 picks um, either in one pool or across multiple pools. You know, what's the best way to to divide that, uh, you know, divide that portfolio up against teams? How many different teams should you pick? Number one, Um, how should you divide them? across your entries number 2 um and so that that's a huge part of our product i mean obviously what we do certainly skews more to a more sophisticated or uh, heavily invested shall we say um survivor pool player and uh, you know we certainly have you know some customers just like um, i know roto grinders does right who are um who are playing dozens of of lineups every night yeah. in uh, in dfs tournaments you know we have people who are playing 20 30 Plus entries um, in in survivor pools, and there are a lot of big survivor pools out there as well. Like there was one the Ron and Mike pool, I believe it was in the New York area that got busted yeah. by the Feds last yeah. year. It was like, I forget what the what the pot was, but it was you know if it was millions or 500k or 600k. So I mean these are exciting games, right? Survivors are dramatic. People love the format, yeah. this whole losing you're gone thing. But um, you know the sharp players also understand that in a pool that's that big. You know, you're you. You could easily go your whole lifetime without winning it, unless you're playing multiple entries. And so, if you want to at least increase the odds that you you taste the uh, the sweetness of victory, or have a have a um, you know not insignificant shot at uh, at having that sort of life changing, potentially life changing uh, windfall of cash from one of these pools. You know, that's that's the way you do it. I mean, the problem with with the problem with office pools in general, March Madness or football. Is that you know, unlike DFS, that's kind of going every night. These things only come about once a year, um, and so you've got to take advantage. They're very high ROI if you expect an ROI if you're a sharp player. But you know, you're going to get one shot at this every year, and the only way to uh, you know really kind of increase the odds of actually seeing a uh, a return from it in a specific year is to be playing multiple entries.
1: Let's move on to like the uh, kind of NFL pick'em pools and and those type of contests. Those are very common around offices and, you know, they obviously extend beyond that as well. Um, How big of a factor is the size of a pool when you're kind of deciding, you know, how you're picking your games every single week?
2: So I think it's a factor. I think, I mean, it's it's never not a factor. Um, And David can shed some light on this as well, but um, you know, what I, like to describe to people is that I think the bigger factor, quite frankly, um, that, that at least we find, uh, especially when we see, when we're, we're, we're talking to our customers and kind of getting a glimpse on how they're thinking about pools, um, the bigger pick and pulls at least. The bigger factor to us is the strategy for winning a season prize in a pick'em pool versus a weekly prize. And so you've got some pools that only offer season prizes. You've got other pools that have a significant season prize but may give a little bit out each week as a, a weekly prize to the person who's got the highest score. And then you've got other pools that are just straight one-week competitions where you know the slate's getting wiped clean every week. Um, and, you know, the difference in, in sort of optimal pick strategy between playing for a season pool versus a weekly prize, going for a season prize versus a weekly prize is just can be it can be drastic, especially in bigger pools, um, you know, and, and typically kind of much bigger of a difference than playing in, say, a, a season prize pool versus, you know, against a hundred versus a thousand people. So in a season prize pool, especially early on, um, you know, the numbers will show that, you know, more conservative picking is typically, uh, rewarded. It's a war of attrition. You want to kind of make, you want to let, give biased human opponents the chance to shoot themselves in the foot by picking too many dumb upsets over the course of the first, you know, 10 weeks or so. And then you can reassess, right? You can look at where you are and, um, Later on, adjust your strategy if you're kind of defending a, a position in in the money over the last third of the pool, let's say, or if you're slightly outside the money. Um, you know, with with uh, with weekly prizes you're typically you know it's like the uh, being in a big kind of gpp tournament in dfs right you're going for uh, a high ceiling score instead of a low floor you just need to win the thing you have to come in first you're going to get 16 more shots at it after week one and so when people see kind of our optimized uh pick them uh, picks for weekly pools weekly prizes especially larger In larger pools they're just kind of blown away by how crazy the picks look um and and they don't seem to a lot of people don't seem to understand that yes you you know going in that the the most likely outcome of this of this lineup of picks if you will is going to be that you know it's going to score poorly but you know there are going to be some weeks where there are crazy upsets happening in the nfl and in those kind of rare weeks right this this pick combination has a a great chance to come in first place and that general strategy when you come in first place there you're probably going to be the only person with the highest score you'll take the whole pot for yourself it is just tends to be a lot better of a strategy than uh, than just saying hey i'm going to play it safer and then you know i may have to split the weekly prize with you know 20% of my pool who also got the same prize and you know uh, yeah. that's that's kind of how the math ends up working out
1: yeah and that's you know, that's another thing we talk about in dfs sometimes for these big contests is Making sure that you're building lineups that are not duplicated because you really kill your upside in a million-dollar, you know, first-place, top-heavy payout, and you end up sharing it with you know 25 of your best friends instead of just having a differential within those other lineups that can get you a million dollars instead of you know sharing fifty thousand with a whole bunch of other guys. So it's a yeah, great I mean point. the amount.
2: Now- the analogy we like to use is you know in that that outcome it's almost like being in two pools right yeah. it, and which is yep. you have to win two pools you have to win the first pool which is to you know sort of be first place right and uh, and that's hard enough to do but then you might have 200 other people that you now have to either split a pot with or win some sort of tiebreaker against yeah. and this and that and that's just you know an absolute crushing blow to your expected profit
1: we're joined by Tom Federico and David Hess of teamrankings.com again you can find them at teamrankings.com use backslash. Roto Grinders, you're going to get a little discount on your packages that you sign up for. So Roto Grinders, uh, teamrankings.com slash Roto Grinders, make sure you check that out. Now, David, uh, get into a little bit of the mythology in terms of the picks themselves. I mean, you guys, uh, how do you, I, I know you guys are very math oriented in terms of your algorithms and and you know, deciding you know winners, losers against the spread, all that good stuff. But kind of uh, take us a little bit behind the curtain in terms of how long you guys have been working on this algorithm, and and maybe some things that you know go into coming to the conclusions that you end up with.
3: Sure, you're talking about uh, predicting a single game here. Yes, more along yeah. like the single games. Yeah. Okay, sure. Um, yeah. So the the site started. I wasn't around when it started. Tom, what year did it start?
2: 2000, just 2000. we're dinosaurs, oh, man. Geez. Dinosaurs. <laughs> well, 2000 was when it was it was just the uh, the twinkle in my co-founder's eye. I was in a Stanford dorm room, and he was a math geek. And you know, this was pre Moneyball. This was kind of pre uh, almost anything the pre analytics revolution. And uh, yeah, Mike Greenfield was his name, and uh, he decided to put up a site and and uh, and put his math chops to work.
3: Sure. So th- so that started uh, with just power ratings. You know, I think. Most people that, that are familiar with sports analytics understand power ratings a little bit, uh, take the scores of the games, locations of the games, maybe do some uh, time weighting and get a number. that tells you how good this team is. You compare them. You get a spread. Compare that to the, the Vegas spread. That, that's how you make your picks, right? So that's a very simple model. That's what the site started with. And it's still something that we do, and it's an input to the projections. But then we've added other... Uh, types of predictive models over the years and the most important couple are um, a similar games model which essentially profiles uh, so you take a, a week one NFL game you look at the two teams playing and you say all right this is the statistical profile of the away team statistical profile of the home team let's look for some past games where the home and away teams have the same profiles or similar profiles as well as similar spread, you know, it's also happening early in the season, um, and you collect the the games that are most similar to to this upcoming one, and you look at what happened in those, how often the teams covered the spread, what the final score was. You get a weighted average, essentially, of of those past results, and that that gives you your prediction for for the upcoming game. So that's what the similar games model does. Um, there's a decision tree model, which um, we like to kind of say that it's essentially doing high-volume, complicated trend-finding, but doing it in a way that makes the trends that it finds significant. It doesn't just do uh, random one-off uh, things. It has to find the same trend in a bunch of different semi-random samples of the data so you know that it it persists even when you do different cuts of the data. It's not just like a cherry-picking thing. So that that model essentially... Uh, finds hundreds of trends and combines them uh, into uh, kind of an average prediction from those trends. Um, and So we have the decision tree, similar games, power rating models. Uh, We combine that with a little bit of other contextual data, uh, market odds being one of the important ones. Um, And we have another master model, essentially, that um, looks at how the individual models have fared in in games that are similar in the past, so you know if if um, if the home team is a big favorite, it's going to look and see how have these models fared in the past when the home team is a big favorite, and then it prioritizes the the model that that has performed the best in those situations and gives us the projection for the game. So that's the that's the basic idea. I hope that
1: yeah, uh, makes sense. You know, I'm looking at the at the page right now, and you know, you've got percentages. You know, similar game percentage, decision tree percentage. Like what? What's a number that's like an eye opening number for you that when it comes up, you're like, whoa! Like this this almost doesn't feel right. Like does it does it ever? I mean, do you come across those situations where you're like, wow, this really feels. Um like it's one side versus you know like almost vegas got the got the spread wrong on this one like do, do those situations come up, and is that where I guess when it does is that where the confidence star rating goes through the roof? Is that the correlation there in terms of the the easy way for a user to to notice it
3: yeah, so the confidence rating there uh and the odds column uh are basically we're we're taking those individual models there and and combining the data in a way that the confidence and the odds column, those are our official predictions. That's what we, that's what we think is the actual odds of the team covering. And like you said, there, there are occasions where one of the individual models has a crazy looking number. Like, it, it, to me, any time you get a number that's not in the 40s or 50s in terms of of covering the spread, that's crazy. Like if yeah. there's a 60 plus percent chance for one of the teams, something's something's off either in the the spread or in the model, so um, looking at the history of the models, um, you can see there are situations where if the model gets too confident, like if it says seventy-five percent to cover, the, there's something wrong with. There's too few games like that one in the past, or something. Yeah. So there's no way to make a good prediction, and we account for that in the in this master logic. We know that if there's something that's so far off market, it's it's probably the, an issue with the model, not with the market being that poorly. You know that inefficient. So, um, there are there are cases where um, the predictions, all of the models have strong predictions on one side, and in those cases, you know, we end up having a strong prediction for the official one. But um, it's I don't think it's ever above sixty percent. Um, that's 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 for, kind for of NFL at least. Yeah, yeah for for NFL. for NFL spread picks. Yeah, that's that's an extremely high confidence i mean it's not extremely high confidence it's at the upper end of what we would ever see in our um our confidence rating
1: give me uh give me a game though let me a game here that you, you that you find interesting that you know that you're looking at your numbers and you know something's kind of popping off the page a little bit for you there where you think like there's value you know we're not gonna give away
2: everything but give me one game you guys got
3: uh, Tom, you want to take this one?
2: <laughs> I mean, I, you know, the there's a couple that are maybe interesting to me. Let's say, I mean, this Cleveland Pittsburgh game to me is uh, is one where I'm just kind of fascinated by it. I was looking at it in uh, for pick'em pools. I was looking at it for survivor pools. I was looking at our betting picks, uh, and this is another interesting angle, right? There may be a different answer to that question depending on what game you're playing, right? Mm. So let's take let's take betting first. So. Um, you know, Cleveland plus four, that line's been moving towards Cleveland, um, lately. I think, I don't know if they opened up at like five and a half or I believe it was oh. five Pittsburgh minus five and Pittsburgh minus five and a half earlier. Yeah, it was week. five and a half. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's down to four now. And, you know, obviously the context there is just, it's just very interesting, right? You've got a team that's won one game out of its last 32. It's just the ultimate doormat of the NFL in the last two years um you know who is expected to get better this year but also you know playing against the team in the in the Steelers who is supposed to be great this year um but you know they got this whole Le'Veon Bell situation going on there's some other contextual stuff there Cleveland brand new quarterback um so it's just interesting to see where this line settled and it's still moving right where um I still, I think could have seen Cleveland being a bigger underdog than four points. Right. I've been reading that, you know, I, I always kind of take these things with a grain of salt when you say like, Oh, the, you read the, the sharps are on a yes. certain team. Yes. The sharps are, you know, the yeah. sharps have been on Cleveland sort of for the last two years and they, they haven't been doing that well. And then, you know, I feel like, well, that's a whole different conversation we can have. I, I just listened to your podcast with Perdom. There's all these sort of interesting kind of betting data conversations to have. Let's just say, I, I always take those things with a grain of salt. Um, but you know assuming that's true it's sort of plausible to think that that some educated action might be pushing the cleveland line um, pushing the cleveland line you know to get uh, to get shorter and shorter but we do our models do see value in it from a betting perspective It's about 55% confidence right now on uh, on cleveland plus 4 at home and then though it's interesting though looking at pickem and pools and uh and survivors you know i i think that um, you know, i was surprised in survivor uh, uh pittsburgh's uh, pick popularity was about eight percent the last time i checked um given that picking against the browns has been like the just uh the candy cane strategy for survivor in the last two years i was surprised not to see that higher this year um this in week one i mean but uh but at the same time, I don't even know if eight percent is warranted, right? There's the, to pick a team like Pittsburgh, who's going to have a ton of future value in an away game, you know, against a team Cleveland that's supposed to be a lot better. Um, you know, it's, there's an argument there that eight percent is still, even though it's lower than I would have expected, given my opinions of the public, um, it still may be, you know, too high given the alternatives available this week. Um, but then in pick'em pools, right? If you're in a big like one-week pool. And you're looking to get a good contrarian pick in. Um, I saw, as of yesterday, 90% of people in Yahoo's Pick'em game were picking the Steelers to win this game. And that's just crazy. I mean, that's way inefficient, right? That's uh, basically saying that the the Vegas line is is underestimating uh, Pittsburgh's win odds by like 20%, which is pretty absurd to think that that would be the case, right? So in Pick'em pools, like if you're, if you're in a season prize pool, um you know picking a 4 point underdog in week 1 probably isn't the way to go this early but if you need if you're in one of these Vegas contests where they again wipe the slate clean every week and you're looking for like a super high value fairly risky pick that will really different, differentiate your entry in a pick 'em contest Cleveland looks absolutely awesome for that spot
1: uh, last thing to chat about, you guys do some season-long projections as well, and I'm kind of curious, like how you guys go about doing that, especially when we've got a lot of different variables. You know, I think a team like uh, the Giants is just fascinating to look at, where you've got you know a completely new coaching staff, you've got a running back who was taken number one overall, who looks like he's going to be a stud. You have got Odell Beckham returning off of injury. Uh, a lot of different factors for a team like that um, k- kind of curious what goes into those type of uh you know season long go- projections that you guys also make
3: yeah so um I like that you mentioned the coaching staff uh, there it's one of the the factors here that's that's i'd say one of our blind spots in the season projections it's not it's not something that we um, algorithmically take into account so um, the the way that the projections work is is basically we we start with a, a baseline um, quality of the team, looking at the past three seasons, heavily weighting the most, pre- or most recent one, um, and just looking at, you know, nothing else except for what their their power rating was the last three years. We would have projected the Giants to be about the twenty eighth best team this year, right? Uh, but then we adjust that based on um, how their turnover luck has been uh, recently. So I think this is becoming a little bit more of a common uh common knowledge these days in in sports analytics uh savvy audiences that turnovers are to a certain extent random and they're not completely random but there is generally some regression back towards the the average value for teams that have extremely high or low turnover rates but we we look a little bit deeper than that we don't just look at the turnover margin we we look at types of turnovers um you know interceptions thrown interceptions caught fumbles lost opponent fumbles lost and when you look at the individual types and also at at just fumbles in general even if they're not lost uh what you see is that uh basically the the by far the biggest uh lucky factor there that that changes the next year is um opponent fumbles lost that that's just not something that is very repeatable at all Mm -hmm. so that's that's the, the biggest factor there in the turnover luck uh, adjustment that we do. And, and the Giants last year, uh, their opponents didn't fumble very much. Uh, seventh lowest per game uh, in the NFL. So there's some positive adjustment there for their turnover luck. Um, the other major things that we, we look at in our projections that are algorithmically factored in are quarterback changes. Um, there's nothing there for the Giants. That doesn't affect anything. Uh, and then the draft picks from recent years and what we found is that uh, having good uh, draft classes from three and four years ago or three and four drafts ago is, is a fairly significant predictor of uh, improvement in the upcoming season uh, that young talent maturing um, really helps a lot and the Giants um, they had slightly more high draft picks and more draft picks in general than other teams three and four years ago so they get a bit of a boost from that uh, but then even after looking at all of that stuff, we 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 compare our our initial raw projections to the betting market um season win totals. We generally look at Pinnacle Sportsbook. They they're kind of our our sports book of record. They they're known for letting a lot of uh, sharp players bet there. They don't they don't boot winners as far as I know. Sure. And so they have fairly uh robust lines. They're some of the most accurate um lines around so we compare to their their season win totals and um for the giants we were still a little bit we're still pretty far below what the market said so we we generally when that happens we adjust up a little bit because we know that we don't we can't take into account everything in our model it's it's not going to be perfect and so we we move it towards the the market some but we still have them a little bit lower than the market um uh, a 25th in our, in our, um, predictive ratings. Um, I think the last time I looked their season win total was listed at seven at pinnacle, but they were a favorite to go over it. Their slight favorite to go over seven. And we had their projected wins at 6.9. So we had a little bit of value on them going under, but it wasn't like a, a massive difference from, from where the market sees them.
1: Fascinating. Well, you can find all this stuff at TeamRankings.com. Again, use backslash Rotogrinders when you go there, and you'll get a discount on uh, whatever package you're interested in. Tom, David, uh, I'm looking forward to chatting again, again, hopefully with uh, seven figures in my uh, back pocket <laughs> and if I do I'll buy you a nice steak dinner I promise you that uh, but
2: man that, that's a great return for us yeah. million, we get a steak dinner
1: <laughs> yeah well you know maybe a nice bottle of wine too we'll a see a million
2: would, would be fine that,
1: that would be that would be settle for that <laughs> well fellas thanks so much and again thank you guys for listening downloading being a part of dot and our community so if you want to join uh, team rankings see what they're up to TeamRankings.com slash Roto grinders. I'm out for today. Uh, NFL is finally here. Get excited. Tons of content. Make sure you're subscribing to our daily fantasy football podcast. It is back up and running content for you seven days a week. Till next time, I'm Dan Bach wishing you best of luck at DFS and we will see. Ya.
0: Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for dad. This father's day.